Midnight spreads itself over the familiarity of it all. The red light pouring over the bodies packed tight against one another. The molding of hard against soft. The cups of rum punch or wine swallowed in between the groove of a pulsing bass line. This is Saturday Night Juke Joint Sunday Morning Revival. This is the Slow Jams Hour at the magical place everyone in Black Brooklyn at some point or another found themselves at. A DJ Jai Medicine house party. And I'm watching the man I wanted to have loved dance with another woman to my favorite Marvin Gaye song. You are now listening to Sonic Blackness, a podcast at the intersection of black music and memory. This is episode one, Dear Marvin, featuring DJ John Medicine, and I'm your host, The Black Connection. When I moved to New York from the city of Gogo and Half Smokes in 2009, I knew there was only one place I wanted to live. Manhattan wasn't happening with its skyscraper rents that towered over the amount of aid allotted for my grad degree, and I didn't know nothing about the boogie down Bronx or Queens. Staten Island, as I thought all New Yorkers said, forget about it. I wanted to live in Brooklyn, specifically Bed-Stuy. Jade, Mookie, Tina, bugging out, Mother Sister, Demare, Sweet Dick Willie, Mr. Senor Love Daddy, Radio Raheem, Bed-Stuy, Lena Horn, Max Roach, Randy Weston, Shirley Chisholm, June Jordan, Talib, Mose, Biggie, Little Kim, and all of them, Bed-Stuy. Drop me off at Willoughby and Myrtle, or Bedford and Nostrand, or Marcy, or Tompkins, or Marcus Garvey, or Troop, or Fulton, Bed-Stuy. One day, I'ma own me a big old brownstone, Bed-Stuy. I mean, like, growing up, my family is from Bed-Stuy also, so I've always was in the neighborhood, but Bed-Stuy is like, it's like the renaissance place of Brooklyn, because it's like, you just have, um, you have, like, really, really great black people doing some great things. You, you, you know, it's a central location. Um, you know, the brownstones, the, it has a lot of culture. It's a lot of different people. It's a lot of different kind of people like that's doing amazing things. So it's like, if you can think about like the Harlem Renaissance, if you can imagine that, like that's what Bed-Stuy is even now through gentrification and everything, but it's always been, you know, like a classic portal for black people like Bed-Stuy, you know? Like, those Spike Lee movies were real. You know what I mean? This is the voice of Jamed Kinsey, a.k.a. DJ Jam Medicine, whose legendary house parties you could find me at on any given Saturday dusk turn to Sunday dawn between 2010 and 2014. To describe Jamed is to describe the manifestation of the eternal African principle of cool, Hat forever cocked to a 45-degree angle with a smile as wide as its brim. He is the type of brother who everybody knows and in turn knows everybody. And like me, he grew up in a house filled with music. I grew up with like black men playing cards, watching sports. There's a lot of funny smoke in the air. Maybe it was incense. Listening to jazz music. Right? You know, like, 
like really, really heavily cultured, like John Coltrane, Miles Davis. And we didn't grow up on commercial type of music. We grew up on a music that you had to search out and find everyone wasn't listening to. So like, that's what I grew up under. So it was only natural that some 20 years later, solely through word of mouth, Jamed would congregate we who were young, black and fly to a brownstone on Halsey or Jefferson or a patio on Monroe to conjure up the days of his youth, complete with low lights, red cups, nag champa incense, and a digital crate filled with everything you and your mama grew up listening to, including the rare cuts you thought you would only ever get a chance to dance to in your bedroom. For me, these parties were my first introduction to the planet of Brooklyn. A lot of people that weren't from Brooklyn, this was like their first experience into the Brooklyn that they really, really came here for. Like, I got so many people from other places that's like, yo, that's where I grew up and that's when I turned on and that's what, that's the Brooklyn that I've heard about and that's the Brooklyn that I wanted, right? So it's kind of like, um, yeah, it was, you, you, you know, so it was like, it was like that connection of old Brooklyn that I grew up on. So I'm re recreating everything that I saw growing up with my friends and with my peers and stuff like that. And I'm helping to curate it. And then you got all these magical people adding on to it. And it was their experience, too. And then it just went on. And they would be my reintroduction to a song that perfectly captured the ever-present vulnerability of my desire to be wanted. He was beautiful. And from the way he would swagger in half past night, the sheen of his black only rivaled by a failed star line, flashing a grin lined with the promise that he would take one of us home if we'd let him, he must have known it too. And we, the women from Vernon Ave all the way to St. Mark's, who followed his every move around those parties with wanting eyes, knew it too. On those nights, we made ritual of rubbing shea butter on collarbones and scenting all the quiet places of ourselves with scents ancient and holy, praying that this woman's work would not be in vain and we would capture his grin, if not his heart. Somehow, be it fate or a shared joke, one of those nights found us cheek to cheek. As we danced underneath a lemon-colored moon, he asked all the usual getting-to-know-you questions that at 2 a.m. echo like wedding bells. Me, awkwardly trying to match the rhythm of his cool, and for the summer after that night, I tried to match the rhythm of his cool. Pretend that day dates and semi-public kisses soothe the inevitable sting of eventually answered texts and the whispers of other women telepathically will him into what I knew he couldn't give, monogamy. And in the fall, when there was no answer to the question of what we were or to be, I knew it was over. Winter came, and despite my hatred of the cold, it wasn't enough to stop me from the allure of Jamed's parties. I needed the warmth of can't-see lights, kitchen conversations, and dancing on hardwood floors to remind me why I moved to New York for all of the days when my paycheck didn't. And, to be honest, I wanted to see him, and have him see me more beautiful than I ever saw myself, and miss me, 
and want me. Slow dance me back to the summer when John Med signaled it was for the lovers only hour by playing Prince and the Isley Brothers back to back. But he saw her and everything in that moment slowed down when he parted the sea of lovers and soon-to-be lovers that crowded the living room dance floor and flashed a grin that I knew wasn't for me. Marvin crooned, I wanna be a lover. He gathered her in his arms, holding her as close as I held my pride and danced with her right in front of me. Marvin, this wasn't the first time I'd heard Come Live With Me, Angel, but it was the first time I'd heard it outside of the sanctity of my living room, where I've played it countless times on repeat slow dancing with my shadow as I imagine you in the booth, as naked as your voice will allow, singing on sunset after sunset while T-Boy and Leon pass a freshly lit J across the board. Your eyes are fixed on Janice, darling Janice, who has kissed 20 candles and 17 years junior, your good experienced company. She watches you with equal parts enchantment and embarrassment at the vastness of your desire. How in six minutes and 28 seconds, it becomes a rising tide of promises and pleas of a lifetime of pleasure that are all consuming. It is not enough for you to have her hear these words, but you want her to live in them with you. And perhaps you wanted us to do the same. When I play that song at 2.30 in the morning, people get so turned on. Like women, like, because, you know, I study people when I play stuff. Like women that don't even know what the song is look around and know that I'm supposed to be turned on the way everybody else is turned on. Guys, like, if you know the song, you like, I can't believe you playing this. If you don't know the song, you just like, damn, this feels good because all that, you know, whatever you was drinking or smoking, it's it's set in now. And you just in a very, like, sensual place. So, like, that song, I would save to, like, like 2 o'clock. And this, op- and, and this opens a whole nother portal. To hear this song in public is to peel me raw. I didn't know what it felt like to be wanted like that to be claimed as someone's angel or lover or sugar or darling, to be offered anything beyond the convenience or casual circumstance I willingly accepted and was unsure if I ever would. One year later, midnight spreads itself over the familiarity of it all. The red light pouring over the bodies packed tight against one another. The molding of hard against soft. The cups of rum punch or wine swallowed in between the groove of a pulsing bass line. This is Saturday Night Juke Joint, Sunday Morning Revival. This is the Slow Jams Hour at a DJ Jow Medicine House Party. 
and I'm watching the man I wanted to have loved sit in a corner by himself while I dance with another man to come live with me, Angel. He was quiet, and from the way he folded into himself, shifting from cross-armed to cross-legged with nothing so much as a subtle head nod or one-word reply to my veiled attempts to get him to dance, I knew it too. I had met him a month earlier in the afterglow of a Gregory Porter concert uptown. The details of our brief introduction by a mutual friend on replay as I took the A train back to Brooklyn. The gentle eyes, the upturned collar on his navy pea coat, the gray newsboy cap more befitting of a time when men introduced themselves to women with gentle handshakes just as he did to me. I was captivated. And here we were, reunited, and it felt so good on the occasion of Jamed's 70s-themed birthday get-down. Me, clad in a beauty supply store afro wig, blue eyeshadow, and the tightest pants I owned, determined to get him to dance with me. Ten became eleven, and eleven became twelve, and twelve became one, and one became almost two, and each cup of whatever I had poured myself for confidence became easier to swallow than the last, and each attempt to get him to dance less successful than the last. By 1.45, I had fished my coat out of a bedroom-turned-coat room, made my way back to the living room dance floor, and told Jamet I was going home. So it was like, when you was leaving, I remember. Um, it was like, it was like three. It was like three o'clock. So you had every right to go home, but it was like, nah, not tonight. Come back. And with that smile as wide as the brim of his hat, he convinced me to stay said he was about to play a song he knew I wanted to dance to and had somebody for me to dance with. Now he was beautiful. The sheen of his brown rubied by the glow of red lights, flashing a grin as self-assured as his cologne choice, but he was the exact opposite of everything I wanted. I wanted quiet wanted to be gathered in the arms of a man who spent the entire night sitting by himself, have him unfold those arms just to dance with me. But here I was, in someone else's arms, cradling my head in the crescent of his shoulder just so I could watch this quiet man from across the room. After the dance, I used the excuse of getting another drink as my escape route. I followed my heart to the corner where he sat, unfolded his arms, grabbed the same hand I shook a month earlier, pulled him up ever so slightly and said, you're going to dance with me. And we danced that night until 4 a.m. and would spend future nights dancing at Jamed's parties until two years later, our dance was over and like the house parties, we came to an end. Well, they stop because one, it's a lot of wear and tear on the house. And then see what happens in life is that relationships change, right? It's like when certain people hook up, then they don't need the house party the same. It's for the thirsty and the non getting any, right? It's like, it's really, it's really for the thirsty, right? Because it's like, even for me, it's like, just say I was in a relationship, but it was like, there's a, there was something I was getting from not being with other people and like not being with other women. But there was something I was getting from being outside and just 
And like there's a certain joy that I was getting from just being around all these people. That's a certain excitement that like, you know, once you start getting it, then it's like, uh, you know, that's cool. But so look, a lot of people shacked up. A lot of people moved. A lot of people started shacking up and then didn't want to be seen in the same places anymore. Right. Because then you can ask yourself why they stop, because people like you stop coming after or if you with somebody and then it don't go right and you know they're going to beat it. Right. So that's like the so that's like the in and out of that. It's like and but but that doesn't stop all this other rotation from coming in. But what I notice is like. When I think about it, it's like I mean, the parties never stop. Like I still do the parties, but. For me, it was like those people in that moment made those situations. So everybody's dipping in in and out of each other. And then when that gets funny, then it's like, for me, it's like all those people are not there. I got a whole new group of people, but it's just different now. Like that vibe in that moment is just not, um, yeah, it's just not the, it's just not the same. Sometimes. You forget that you were once the woman who spent your Saturday nights dancing until Sunday sunrise in someone else's living room. That you once collected the street names where these parties were held at as if they were precious treasure. Now, your Saturday nights are for catching up on the sleep you denied yourself throughout the week, and Sunday mornings are for ritual and responsibilities. These days, you walk through bed solemnly each street a ghost of what it once was, and you pray that at least the spirit can remain. Of most difference, you no longer have an aching need to be wanted, no desire to love or be loved more than you love yourself. You are different and bed is different. And the only time you hear come live with me, angel, is in the sanctity of your own living room when you play it on repeat wondering if it's too soon to make memory of it with the man you just met until it is a weekday and you are at city point to make a target run at lunch as you turn the corner of albie square you hear it its chorus faintly sweetening the summer air you whisper to yourself is somebody playing Come Live With Me, Angel? And in fact, they are. You close your eyes to savor this moment. You are no longer on a sidewalk in downtown Brooklyn. You are on a patio on Monroe, dancing underneath a lemon-colored moon, or packed tight against the bodies in a living room on Halsey or Jefferson. And you give thanks for all of it, for the memories, for bed for house parties, for DJ John Medicine, for the men you wanted to have loved, and above all, for Marvin. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sonic Blackness. Get connected to us on Instagram at The Black Connection or on Spotify to hear a playlist of the songs featured in this episode. <laughs>